there is a, a disinformation program literally for everyone, no matter who you are and what, what your interests are, uh, what your beliefs are, uh, which, which way you're focusing. There is a website set up just for you to take you in and to vector your thinking and your attention into the way that they want you to think. You are listening to Radio Free Signs of the Times, broadcasting into the heart of an occupied America. Welcome to this week's Signs of the Times podcast. I'm Henry. I'm Joe. And I'm Scott. This week we are going to talk about Islamic fascism. The new GOP buzzword geared to strike fear into the hearts of Americans and the British and slowly but surely the entire world. The war on terrorism has been going on now. Well, it started back with Reagan in the the 1980s and then, of course, after 9-11, it got ramped up several notches. The demonization of the Arab people and the Muslim religion has been going on since... Israel planted itself illegally and with great viciousness and bloodshed in Palestine. The media over the last 50-some years has been slowly, steadily, and surely planting the seeds of a a coming world war that we cannot even imagine. The new recategorization of the war on terror is the war against Islamic fascism is the next step in this, and this is what we want to talk about tonight. We saw this summer that the Israelis, after all their smoke and mirrors of withdrawing from Gaza and how they were going to do this uh, is a great gesture of peace, and we were saying all along that this wasn't a gesture of peace, this was the preparations for war. And we saw this summer that this came about with the invasion of Gaza. The violence against Palestinians on the West Bank increased. And then in July, Israel unleashed its arms of war against Lebanon. We've been told that they suffered a defeat at the hands of Hezbollah. We think that there's something more going on here than this, that, that there's something a lot more sinister going on under the cover. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, that uh, this idea that uh, Israel suffered a defeat is, uh, is what's known as a limited hangout of, of sorts. Uh, it's basically a, a partial truth uh, that's uh, disseminated to, 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 to avoid having to expose or avoid exposing the, the full truth. And I don't buy for a second uh, the idea that Israel... Uh, with its long history of uh, infiltration of uh, many countries in the Middle East, and it's uh, it's it's pretty much complete control of its of its uh, of the areas uh, of that area of the Middle East. Um, you know, talking about its neighbours, Syria, Egypt, uh, Jordan, um, Lebanon, even Iran and Iraq. Um, I, I don't believe for a second that that Israel could have after this after after with this level of, of control and uh, power and with its intelligence agencies uh, that that it could have just walked into this kind of uh, war conflict with Hezbollah 
and, and got it all wrong, got it all terribly wrong. Uh, it, it just doesn't doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, um, well, we also have to remember this is a war that just didn't happen like that. This was something that has been planned for years. Of course, and that I mean that that is more proof uh, that that dismisses the idea that that Israel was uh, defeated by Hezbollah because uh, Israel very consciously planned this conflict, this short-term uh, bombardment of Lebanon. Um, I mean, they, they, there's reports that, that they had been talking about it with their friends in the U.S. government for at least a year beforehand. But there's also the, the fact that has been completely and utterly denied and overlooked uh, in, in the mainstream press that Lebanon or, or, or Hezbollah um, somehow provoked or, or started this, this conflict by uh, by in, crossing the border into Israel and, and capturing a few Israeli soldiers. The fact is that it was reported in several mainstream uh, news websites, including Bloomberg, that in fact the Israeli soldiers, the, uh, or, or a battalion of Israeli soldiers, had infiltrated across the border into Lebanon and... Uh, as has been the case in many times in the past, when that happens, Hezbollah uh, attacks them and and now and again captures some of their soldiers. And this was just one of the things that have been happening uh, over uh, over the past number of years on on, on a few, uh, several occasions. And it had been it was also almost like a an agreement of sorts between the two that that uh, these kind of limited uh, ex- uh, incursions would would be allowed to continue and. Uh, and when, uh, if and when Hezbollah captured Israeli soldiers, they would exchange them for either Palestinian or uh, Hezbollah fighters in, in captivity in Israel. So, first and foremost, Israel provoked this war, um, or this conflict, this recent conflict with Lebanon. They did it consciously and deliberately. They had planned it for a year in advance. And then they sold a lie to the world that it was Hezbollah that had provoked them, and that they were therefore justified in bombing Lebanon and killing 1,300 civilians. So my theory then as to what it was, if it wasn't a defeat, uh, or our theory, I should say, is that basically this was a little test of the waters, uh, we can say, by Israel in terms of public reaction, world public reaction to the kind of indiscriminate bombing and murder of Arab civilians, because that's exactly what happened. It was unadulterated murder from the air, from the sea, by Israel, uh, on, on entirely innocent people who Israel knew were innocent and had nothing to do with any conflict other than the fact that they held on to an idea of their own kind of right to sovereignty and, and their own country and their own beliefs. So Israel basically used this, as, as, a, as I say, as a, as a test for uh, world public opinion because what has been happening as you haven't noticed over the past 10 years probably longer but certainly in the last 10 years since kind of Osama really came on the scene uh, with the first uh, well probably a bit longer than 10 years maybe since uh, 1993 since the first attack on the World Trade Center and after that embassy bombings leading up to 9-11 and all the attacks since 9-11 there has been a concerted effort by Western governments primarily the American uh, and British governments, and also obviously the Israeli government, to demonise Arab people and Muslims in general as terrorists. Uh, and they went yeah. so far as to kill their own people on 9-11 and in uh, Madrid. And in London. And in London. Obviously, all of those events weren't necessarily them killing their own people. Because 
certainly in the case of, of, of 9-11 and of the Madrid train bombings, that was more than likely the work of Mossad. So uh, the Israelis don't really see uh, Western peoples as their own people. They don't even see them as uh, allies, really. They're, they're Gentiles, so they, uh, they can be killed with impunity. And in, uh, on the 7-7 seven, seven, uh, train bombings in London, uh, that was more than likely the work of MI5, because British intelligence, because it was kind of a little shoddy, you know. It didn't have the class of Mossad, where, where, where it's uh, clean, very, very clean. There was a lot of holes, in the, a lot more holes in the uh, London bombings than in and then another Mossad uh, uh, attack. So it wasn't a Mossad, it was, it, was, it was more than likely MI5. But the point here is that this is all for the purpose of pushing the idea on Western citizens that all Arabs, all Muslims are terrorists, but specifically uh, Middle Eastern uh, Arabs. Uh, because Israel desires to wage a large widespread war on the Arab peoples of the Middle East, and it wants to to the greatest extent possible, to have the backing of Western citizens for that. And the way you do that is that you portray the people you're going to kill as evil terrorists who actually hate you. And we can see that it was completely successful in this because in spite of all the horrors that were going on, the United States and Israel were able to drag out and drag out and say, no, it's not the time for the ceasefire, it's not the time for the ceasefire, and even if other governments sat by and said, oh, we need a ceasefire right now, they were not willing to do anything to put it into effect. Yeah, they were so, waiting to get the data in uh, to see public, world public opinion, and they were probably quite pleased at the uh, success of their efforts over the past 10, 15 years because uh, many people uh, in Western countries were not really that um, concerned. I mean, we're talking here about the murder of children, and that's a pretty that's a pretty uh, pretty difficult thing to do for when, when you consider that you know the ordinary average person would would be horrified at the death of a, of a child or or the murder of, of innocent children. But many people thought twice. Many people said, "Yeah, it's bad, but and it's that Israel but. has a right to defend itself." And these are terrorist sympathizers, yeah, potentially. So that kind of makes their death slightly less horrifying. And that's, I mean, you're talking here like uh, about the polarization, the psychopathization of ordinary people, people who normally would not sanction or support and in fact would be horrified about the death of innocent people anywhere in the world, especially children. And let's be clear that, that even though there is this so-called ceasefire on at the moment, we had an article on Thursday, August 31st, that talked about the cluster bombs that Israel had dropped on Lebanon. In the final days, right before the ceasefire, they dropped 350 cluster bombs, which leave 100,000 of these small Bombless. cluster bomblets around. And it's going to be it's going to be years before 100,000 of these bomblets are, are picked up, removed. And many and, children are going to be blown up. And these were in civilian areas. So the killing is going to continue, even though the so-called ceasefire is in place. But we should also make note of the fact that they uh, they followed this up. Uh, I mean, it's no coincidence that just after this ceasefire in, in Lebanon, this temporary ceasefire, you had the, the terror alerts in the UK with the planes. And uh, this was kind of like a, you know, after the fact of bombing and killing uh, 1,300 Lebanese civilian, including hundreds of, of children, you had this uh, a further kind of testing of the will of the people. 
by creating this phony terror alert in the UK, which was entirely ridiculous and fictitious because there is, I mean, the police themselves said there was no... uh, no, there was no evidence for this really, other than that concocted by the Pakistani ISI, which is a, a kind of arm of the of the CIA. Um, but none of the people that they claimed were involved had any uh, bomb making uh, materials. They they hadn't bought any any tickets. They, I mean, everybody that knew them said that they were just normal, ordinary people, and they couldn't believe that they were involved in this because they weren't, because it was entirely made up. Now this was, I mean, what you had. In this was, as we said, a testing of the will and a, and a pushing again on the people. Uh, this th- this concept of of all Arabs or all Muslims as terrorists and and, and checking to see how well their their programming has has gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we had the after the, the these terror alerts, we had there were three or four uh, instances where planes were turned back that had taken off uh, because people on the plane. Had seen there was one in Malaga in southern Spain where a bunch of British holidaymakers were coming back. Uh, this is just about a week and a half ago, coming back from their holidays, and there were two guys on the plane, and they were they were actually from Southeast Asia somewhere. They were Pakistani, uh, but they weren't white. British. They weren't white, and they looked kind of uh, Muslim. What, what, were, what does Muslim look like? Yes, there's one point three billion Muslims. Language. Yeah, that pe- and, and people and on the plane. Uncomfortable. People on the plane. Said that they were they were checking their watches before getting on the plane. Strange thing to happen. Check your watch. Yeah. Don't do it. You know. So they were checking their watches and they were talking in Arabic, and that was enough for all of the people on this plane to refuse to fly until these guys were removed from the plane. Mm-hmm. Now this is this is like it's 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 clear evidence that this programming has worked. And you talk about this the programming. We also saw at the same time in reaction to these events. The absolutely absurd security measures being put into place in the United States, in Britain, in Australia, in the Anglophone countries, in Israel, where you can't travel with a bottle of water anymore. You get the liquid explosive scare. You get people having to to carry baggies, Mm -hmm. clear plastic bags with – what a way to humiliate people. Yeah. What it's a, a cementing of the reality uh, because uh, the reality that of Islamic terrorism is real because, put it this way, if a mother has to pour her milk out, her, her, her baby milk, into a, into a trash can before flying on the plane, uh, then to her, well, obviously the terror threat is real because, I mean, who's going to make a mother do that if there isn't a dire threat to everyone uh, on that plane or everyone uh, in the Western world and from see, Muslim terrorists. So it's real, right? It's real because they make you pour milk out. And to see the number of Americans and Brits and everybody else who stood there and said, oh, yeah, well, it's kind of inconvenient, but they're, they're doing it to make us safe. Yeah. I'm, I'm more than willing to accept these restrictions if it makes me safer. And yet, as we illustrated on the science page recently with an article uh, about this, this, this so-called uh, these liquid bombs, uh, the author of this article uh, spoke with a professor of chemistry, and the the, the gist of, of the, the story that these terrorists were, were going to be able to take these liquids and, and mix it in, like, you know, an air, airplane lavatory or something and make an explosive was shown to be just complete and utter horse hockey because, I mean, this 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 uh, expert in chemistry who actually had experience with the, the type of liquid explosives uh, that were allegedly going to be used in this uh, alleged plot, uh, this professor said that, I mean, basically, 
you know, you'd have to bring all kinds of equipment with you when you're mixing the explosives. You have to add one component very slowly to the other, and it has to be done at a certain temperature. And, and basically, if all these conditions and all this equipment weren't there, what you would get was an explosion that would probably be small enough to injure or maybe kill the person in the lavatory, but it certainly wouldn't have punched a hole in the side of the plane. It wouldn't have killed anyone else. It would have just been you know, this idiot in the bathroom blowing himself up or, you know, blowing off his hand or burning himself, and that's it. And but so, how, many, how many chemistry professors are out there? That's the problem. How many people know that, that detail, you know? Um, that's the problem. People don't know this, then they just believe what they're told. They don't look into the details, and they, they're sold a lie so easily. And, I mean, the point here is that, as, we keep, as we've said, the goal is to make Western people fear and therefore hate Arabs and Muslim people, so that Israel and America can kill them. Now, the fact is this has worked very, very well because there are a lot of people on these planes who are so afraid that they were willing to kill the two, uh, they were willing to kill the two Muslim guys themselves. You know what I mean? They, they were that afraid. They from holiday. If, they, if they didn't get them off the plane, they were so afraid that they were going to be blown up that they were willing to kind of strangle them themselves. Now, that's, that's, that's job, uh, a job, job, well well, job well done. Yeah. And there's there's another little tidbit, you know, when we were talking about the idea that uh, that this little foray that Israel took into Lebanon, uh, the idea that this was sort of, you know, they were kind of dipping their toe in the water to, to, to test world reaction and, you know, to see how much they could get away with and, you know, basically to see, you know, how, how well the, 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 the neocon and Zionist control and, and brainwashing, uh, how successful their, their campaign has been. Um, but this other little interesting tidbit was that, of course, in the mainstream media outlets, you read that uh, Olmert, the Israeli prime minister, is in uh, deep doo-doo. Of course, you know, the Israelis aren't happy because they've been defeated. And, uh, you know, then there was this, this sex scandal uh, involving uh, Olmert. And so there was an, an inquiry announced to look into some of these matters. And it wasn't an independent inquiry. And, of course, you know, the Olmert caught some flack for that. And it turns out that the inquiry is going to be headed by uh, a former head of the Israeli Mossad. Now, I mean, <laughs> you know, if if you screwed up, a former head of the Mossad doesn't come and you know give you a hand. You know, it, it's it's all about investigating. <laughs> it's about investigating yourself. You give yourself a check. You know, the evil person checks himself. Have I been bad? No, I haven't been bad. Like the nine eleven commission that Bush yeah. put together. That gives themselves a clean bill of health. No fascism here. Mm. But so basically, yeah, that's that's the idea, um, and and all of the facts seem to support it. The track history, uh, the track record, and the history of Israel, and and the data that we have about Israel and about the power that they have. This has got nothing to do with the defeat of, of of Israeli forces in Lebanon. It's about gathering data about world reaction, public opinion to the murder of Arab people in general, for the purpose of planning a much bigger. And, wide scale, and widespread massacre of, of, of people, of our people in the Middle East. And this brings us to the question of the new use of the term of Islamic fascism. This is preparing the next stage. In an article that we ran again on Thursday, the 31st of August, that came from the Associated Press, and now the Associated Press is, you know, part of the mainstream media, it's part of the propaganda machine and the brainwashing machine. And it says, 
And the, the article is entitled, The Enemy is Now Fascism. And the subtitle is, The GOP Sees It as the Right Word. Talk is not of terrorists, but Islamic fascists. And the article starts, President Bush in recent days has recast the global anti-terrorism effort as a war against Islamic fascism. Fascism, in fact, seems to be the new buzzword for Republicans in an election season, in an election season dominated by an unpopular war in Iraq. And it's not only Bush that's come out with this. Rumsfeld came out in a, in a speech to the American Legion Convention in Salt Lake City. And I think Scotty's got some of that. Yeah, in, in the speech to the American Legion on, on Tuesday, uh, Rumsfeld stated that war opponents displayed the kind of thinking that delayed military action against Adolf Hitler's Nazi Germany. And he also reiterated that the world faces, quote, a new type of fascism, unquote. And he, he again warned against uh, repeating the pre-World War II mistake of, of appeasement. Uh, and then he went on to say that uh, critics of the administration suffered from moral confusion, as he put it. Mm. So now uh, if you're against everything that Bush is doing, then you're a fascist sympathizer, if not an outright fascist yourself. Well, if you quibble over the death of uh, yeah, the children. Lebanese uh, children. Yeah. The Associated Press article went on and said, depicting the struggle as one against Islamic fascists is a, quote, an appropriate definition of the war that we're in, GOP pollster Ed Goa said. He continues, I think it's effective in that it definitively defines the enemy in a way that we can't because they're not in uniforms. So you have these ragtag terrorists, supposedly, and now we can say that they're fascists, so we're able to define them. Except that you're not defining anybody, you're labeling somebody. And it's an emotional hook. And everybody hates fascism because everybody's got all the, the stories of what happened in World War II and you've seen the, the movies about Adolf Hitler and everybody knows that fascism is a bad thing. Exactly, because uh, as, we, as, as we were talking earlier about um, this is uh, off-air basically, we were, we were just talking about the fact that um, in terms of the war on terror or the war on terrorism, um, the problem with that is – one of the problems with that has been that there have been these left-wing kind of uh, – or pseudo-left-wing uh, pundits who dared to suggest that maybe we should – maybe the American government should be looking at why these terrorists hate us so much. Um, you know, because if they're terrorists and they're fighting a terrorist war, if they're if they're attacking us using terrorist uh, t tactics, um, why is that? Is there some blame on the on, on the part of the Americans? And you see, that's a that's a bit of a no no because oh, it's you almost traitorous. Yes, it can't it can't be <laughs> it can't be watered down in any way. You can't have it uh, anything but uh, in, in in any terms other than. Uh, kind of complete totalitarian, you know, absolute terms that this is an implacable enemy that wants to kill us simply because we are who we are, because we have freedoms, because we're Americans. So you can't have someone questioning that and maybe apportioning some blame to the Americans. And one way to do that is to redefine it as fascism because uh, it's one thing to fight terrorists, but it, fascists, I mean, fascists are just, they, they are people who just hate 
uh, other people yeah. uh, who just want to kill them for no reason. They, they're totalitarian. They're they're they're, they're in favour of you know uh, an elite few oppressing the many uh, just for the sake of it. And, and this would be a just war indeed if 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 it was uh, a case of terrorist fascists. But as we've been mentioning, this is a case of calling others what you yourself are, or um, accusing others of doing what you yourself are doing. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in in more detail a little later because we're really seeing what they're setting up for us, and it ain't pretty. Now, it's patently absurd to call the Muslims fascists. And because it's patently absurd to call them fascists, they have to kind of do some wiggling around. And a a Mideast advisor to uh, the first Bush administration and the Clinton administration named Dennis Ross, he kind of came out and he admitted it. And uh, he said, fascism has a certain definition. Well, yeah, that's true. Whether or not they, meaning the Islamic, so-called Islamic fascists, meet this or not, one thing is clear. They're radical. They represent a completely radical and intolerant interpretation of Islam. So if you're a little radical and, well, completely radical, well, then you're just a fascist. I mean, you know, hey. There's a, there's a lot of uh – Californian surfers are going to be in trouble because they're they're totally radical. You know what I mean, <laughs> dude. And Eric Margulis had a response to this in an article entitled "The Big Lie About Islamic Fascism," and in his article. He says, this ugly term was probably first coined in Israel, as was the other hugely successful propaganda term, terrorism, to dehumanize and demonize opponents and deny them any rational political motivation, hence removing any need to deal with their grievances and demands. Exactly. And this is what we're talking about. They're just being, the Muslims and Arabs are being demonized so that they can be killed with impunity. They can be killed and you will not be upset. And their claims or their grievances, their legitimate justified grievances against the Americans, against the Israelis for stealing their land, for oppressing them, for killing them wholesale over the past 50 years, these these claims can be can be dismissed because they're terrorists, because terrorists don't have, and fascists cer- certainly don't have any legitimate claims because they're just inherently evil. And there is a very clear definition of fascism. And we will be getting into this. Margulis points out that if you take this definition of fascism and you apply it to the Muslims, it does not apply. It doesn't apply to Islam and it doesn't apply to Muslims for that, for, for that reason. I mean, Islam, the, the very idea of or the concept of fascism is anathema to, to, to Islam and everything that is taught in Islam. Of course, people say that there's, they we're dealing with extremist, uh, fundamentalist uh, Islamics. But the fact is that they were more or less created. Uh, of course, there's always been fundamentalist uh, uh, sects or fundamentalist groupings within any religion. I mean, that's uh, every American should be aware of the fact that there are 40 million uh, fundamentalist Christians in America. Uh, and you should uh, be very afraid of them. But... Um, and the same is true for, for, for Islam, but the fact is that uh, this is well documented that, that the, the promotion uh, of fundamentalist Islam and its financing uh, was 
facilitated was essentially conducted by the American government in the 1970s uh, during the time of, I mean, it goes back a little before that to the 50s in, in, yeah, terms, the of its, in, terms, in terms of in terms of its inception, but in terms of Al Qaeda and and the kind of the people, the, the network uh, that is set up at the, uh, at, uh, today or that is claimed to exist today is entirely was entirely set up and is entirely controlled by the CIA, by British intelligence and by uh, Israeli intelligence because it it, it, it started out um, in Afghanistan during the Russian Afghanistan uh, war when the Americans, uh, I think under Carter at the time, financed the, the Muslims, the Muslim extremists in Afghanistan against the Russians because it suited their geostrategic purposes at the time. But since then, they have been they have been sheltered and they have been shepherded and they have been used as patsies uh, for modern day Islamic terrorism, which is entirely controlled and carried out by agents of major Western Christian Jewish Zionist governments. That is an indisputable fact. You can take that to the bank. Yes. So let's look at what fascism really is. Yeah. I mean, since we're talking about fascism... You know, let, let's look at it. Let's, since let's the, see whether this actually the, applies or not. Since the claim has been leveled. Well, there's an interesting article uh, at Information Clearinghouse uh, by Tom Hartman. It's called Reclaiming the Issues, Islamic or Republican Fascism. And in this article, he quotes uh, Vice President Wallace, who was, he was vice president in 1944, and the New York Times had asked him, what is a fascist? How many fascists do we have? How dangerous are they? And as part of his response, uh, he said that it may be shocking to some people in this country to realize that, without meaning to do so, they hold views in common with Hitler when they preach discrimination. And, of course, this is rather interesting because when you think about the story that Joe related about the uh, the Islamic guys on the uh, on the airplane and you know they were checking their watches and you know passing a cell phone around and and they were chatting and of course this was perceived as you know some sort of evil terrorist activity and you know all hell broke loose and this sort of Islamophobia this like extreme racism or discrimination uh, is, is really quite evident in in the US in in Britain in I mean pretty much everywhere and then in the article by Eric Margulis that Henry mentioned, he quotes the Columbia University professor Robert Paxton uh, that, that Henry had mentioned. And he says that Paxton defines fascism's essence, which he aptly terms its emotional lava, as, and he, he gives a list of, of five different points. And number one is a sense of overwhelming crisis beyond reach of traditional solutions. Number two is belief one's group is the victim, justifying any action without legal or moral limits. Three is need for authority by a natural leader above the law, relying on the superiority of his instincts. Four is right of the chosen people to dominate others without legal or moral restraint. And the final one is fear of foreign, quote-unquote, contamination. And, of course, if you look at the uh, the whole war on terror, uh, well, since 9-11 in particular, uh, I mean, you know, the, the first one, a sense of overwhelming crisis beyond reach of traditional solutions. Well, you know, you had 9-11, you had the, 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 the train bombings in Madrid, you had the, the bombings in the UK, um, but especially with 9-11, of course, you know, this was sort of the the, the, the Reichstag fire that really sort of uh, kind of set the whole world on fire, and, and of course it was all, you know, everyone is a target. I mean, Americans especially are a target. And the second one, uh, belief one's group is the victim justifying any action without legal or moral limits. 
Oh, of course, you know, Americans are the victims. You know, the, the English are the victims. The, the Israelis are the victims. You know, everybody's a victim, and, and it's all, you know. And, of course, the, we hear a lot from especially the American administration that the war on terror, it's a different kind of war. You know, all the rules are changed. You know, we, we, we have to use all the tools at our disposal. And if that means spying on our own people and, and you know, instituting a fascist dictatorship, well, then, you know, this is what we've got to do to fight the bad guys because they're trying and to, to steal our freedom. And to keep you secure yeah, and you, safe. You know, got to keep everybody safe. As for number three, the need for authority by a natural leader above the law, relying on superiority of his instincts. I want a doozy. I mean, yeah. That just, that just, I mean, who does that, who does that say? I mean, whose name is on that, you know? Uh, George, yeah. I mean, my I mean, gut. God my told me. My gut. God told me to invade Iraq, you yeah, know? He's, uh, he's the decider, you know? I'm the decider. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, you know, number four, right of the chosen people to dominate others without legal or moral restraint. Well, I mean, that's well, certainly... I mean, well, hold on a minute. There. <laughs> I don't want to get anti-Semitic here, and I'm not going to get anti-Semitic because anti-Semitism, as it's defined today, is a is a it's just a ploy used by Israel to justify the murder of really of real Semitic people. But I mean, read th- read that again, Scotty. That uh, third one. Right of the chosen people to dominate others without legal or moral restraint. I mean, this is the ethos of Israeli religious teaching or Jewish religious teaching. I mean, this is this, the chosen people, uh, something that has been imposed on Jewish people for, for millennia by a certain group of, 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 of so-called leaders who, who forced them into this position of being the chosen people and having the, the divine right to destroy and, and murder others, not, not like them, because... God told them that they could do it. Uh, and I mean, in, in no way am I saying that this is the belief of all Jews. What I'm saying is that this is the, fa- the real fascist, uh, psychopathic, religious, uh, kind of Talmudic teachings that, that have, as I say, that have been foisted on uh, the Jewish people as, as a whole. And, and, and they have been made responsible for the actions taken in the name of these teachings. And it was picked up in a secular sense in the United States of America. And this is the way George Bush acts. This is the way American foreign policy has been for decades and decades, that America is the world's moral leader. America is the world's democratic leader. And this gives them the right to invade who they want, to exploit economically who they want, because all they're doing is bringing freedom and democracy to these people. It's kind of the ethos also of the fundamentalist Christians, because of course, I mean, the, you know, the fundies believe that, you know, Israel's invading, you know, every country in the Middle East. Well, you know, great. I mean, you know, the end time is near, you know, the apocalypse and all that, the book of Revelation. And, you know, of course, if, you know, any, any Jew who doesn't convert to Christianity is going to perish. So, hey, you know, let's, you know, let's go get him. And then, of course, you know, in, in, in speaking in terms of the U.S. in particular, you know, U.S. soldiers are, you know, Bush is pushing uh, for uh, immunity uh, from war crimes for U.S. soldiers, even as you know they're in Iraq, uh, you know, torturing people and and killing women and children and committing war crimes. The final one that Paxton, uh, his his final element of defining fascism was fear of foreign contamination, and you can see a little bit of this in uh, in the U.S. today in terms of the. Uh, "Quote unquote, damn foreigners who are coming across the border from Mexico, and you know, we've got to lock down the borders. And, and of course, everyone's obviously, you know, terrified of of anyone who even looks remotely like, uh, you know, an Arab. So basically, what we're saying is those five uh, points that define fascism 
are a very, very clear description of Israel and America and their, their governments and what they are espousing. I mean, it couldn't be any more clear, and they are foisting this on their chosen enemy, which is uh, the entire Muslim world. And to make it even more clear for those listeners who are so immersed in the brainwashing that has gone on in the United States for decades and decades, to make it even more clear, we continue on with what Margulis says. He says, fascism demands a succession of wars, foreign conquests, and national threats to keep the nation in a state of fear, anxiety, and patriotic hypertension. Those who disagree are branded ideological traitors. All successful fascist regimes, Paxton points out, allied themselves to traditional conservative parties and to the military-industrial complex. Fear is obviously uh, the goal or at least that's what a lot of people in the alternative media are saying. You know, it's uh, the goal is to keep the American people and the Western populations afraid, so that they will then uh, acquiesce to anything that their government tells them. They need to to accept to uh, to keep themselves safe. But in another sense, and in a very real sense, and this is maybe going a little bit deeper into it, and it's a kind of stuff that you only get on Science of the Times, is that fear is a means to an end because the logical or the, 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 very, um, the very common result of fear is hate. If you can make someone afraid enough and fear uh, another person or another group of people enough, they will very quickly come to hate those people mm-hmm. because they, they fear for their lives and, and they, they turn into they, 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 their animal kind of lower instincts come into play and, and they, they want to kill and they shout kill, kill, kill to remove the source of the fear. Now, in terms of what is being set up uh, for the, a major war in the Middle East, this obviously is very, uh, very uh, placed very directly into that because it's what, we've, what we st- started out kind of saying uh, that um, the goal is to get the backing of ordinary people, ordinary decent people, people that you or our listeners um, know, your families, your friends, uh, people you work with, ordinary people who would never normally sanction the murder of innocent people. But in a situation where they are afraid, they come to hate, and they are essentially turned into uh, that which their leaders are, which is psychopaths, people who have no empathy, no concern, no care for another human being. And that's what they want to do. They want to make you like them so that you will agree to acts of inhumanity and in doing so destroy your own, your own humanity, destroy your own souls. Uh, that might sound a little bit esoteric, but that's exactly the result. If, if, if Think about it in terms of conscience. If, if there are listeners who get uncomfortable with terminology such as soul, think about it as conscience. Who in good conscience could permit this? Who in good conscience can permit the death of children? Ask yourself, you know, would you do this? Do, do, would you sanction the death of children? Would you agree or support the death of children? You say no. But look at what has happened in terms of the war on terror. Look at the people you know. Have they done it? Have they sanctioned this kind of murder in the name of the war on terror and the fear and the hate that it gen- generates? 
Uh, probably you know a lot of people who do support it to some degree. So we're not talking about something that is going to happen. We're talking about something that has happened and that is ongoing. Yeah. And you may say, you know, oh, you know, you guys are talking about, you know, the death of children, but, you know, I saw on TV and read in the news that, uh, you know, that's all, you know, lies. And, you know, I saw the whole, uh, you know, this this photograph of Lebanon where the guy, you know, he, he faked the smoke to make it look worse than it was. So, you know, I don't, you know, I don't believe it. And I think that, you know, it's it's really the, you know, the Islamic, you know, terrorists, you know, they're they're crazy fascists. Well, so to give an, uh, another example of, of who the real fascists are, uh, well, first of all, you know, when you, when you, you get information from the mainstream media and of course you can find out that you're not really getting the truth because when you read some of some alternative media sites such as signs of the times you can read articles from reporters who are highly respected uh, you can read articles by people such as robert fisk who are actually in lebanon and who report that yes in fact they're killing children and they're killing women and all this stuff is happening and and then you you know you might say well you know gee you know maybe I'm being lied to and of course you know the people like Bush and, and Cheney and everybody they want you to believe that it's the evil Islamic terrorists are the ones who are lying and yet if you simply look at what's happening in the U.S. right now I mean you know Bush Bush had a, a White House press conference the other day and a reporter asked him what did Iraq have to do with the attack on the World Trade Center and Bush's response was nothing now of course you remember you know back when this whole you know let's attack Iraq thing was going on. You know, it was all, you know, Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction and he's going to attack the U.S. You know, Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction and he could use them against the U.S. Saddam Hussein was tied to al-Qaeda. Yeah, well, that's the, you know, this, that Saddam Hussein was tied to al-Qaeda. And it turns out that back in January, Dick Cheney was on Fo the Fox News radio show uh, with uh, the host of the time was a guy named Tony Snow. And Snow asked him, well, you know, what about this whole link between... Uh, al-Qaeda in Iraq. And Snow asked Cheney, well, what do you think about this, you know, this article that, that Stephen Hayes wrote? And, and Stephen Hayes is a guy who, interestingly enough, is now Cheney's biographer. Uh, but Hayes wrote a an article which, which illustrated supposedly the link between al-Qaeda and Iraq. And it turns out that the Defense Department came out and said, well, Stephen Hayes' article was based on a memo that was written by Douglas Fife, uh, one of everyone's favorite Zionists in the U.S. administration. And the Defense Department said that the memo that Fife had written was not an analysis of the substantive issues or relationships between Iraq and al-Qaeda, and so you basically couldn't draw any conclusions from it. Is that another way of saying it was made up? Yeah, pretty much. His personal opinion. This is a, a Zionist in, in the Israeli government or in the American government who told Cheney that Iraq was... Who told, who told the Stephen Hayes guy. Told, told Stephen Hayes. Just happened to, to give him Cheney. this memo who happens to be Cheney's biographer. And then, of course, Cheney says, yeah, I think this is a, this is a good example. Of, it illustrates you know, the connections between and, Iraq and al-Qaeda. And the Defense Department says, no, this is a load of crap. And Bush then, but then Bush decides to go ahead and tell the world that, or tell the American people at least, that uh, Iraq, uh, Saddam Hussein had ties to Al Qaeda. Therefore, it was directly tied to 9/11. Therefore, we had to invade Iraq, and so they all knew that this was a lie at the time. And now Bush openly admits it, and people go, "Well, what do people do?" Well, the cherry on the cake is that Tony Snow is now the White House. Press yeah. secretary. That's the guy who... I mean, you know, the job well done by everyone. Tony Snowjob. All around. 
and that's actually that's that's that actually you know this this use of the mainstream media as as we mentioned is is one of the elements of, of fascism and in the the tom hartman article that i mentioned earlier he writes uh as, as part of uh Vice President Wallace, uh, back in 1944, as part of his response, he said that the American fascist would prefer not to use violence. His method is to poison the channels of public information. With a fascist, the problem is never how best to present the truth to the public, but how best to use the news to deceive the public into giving the fascist and his group more money and more power. And when so you- essentially, fascism is synonymous with uh, psychopathy, because everything that you're saying uh, is... Um very clearly delineated in the book by uh, Andrew Lobachevsky, who is a psychologist from uh, Poland and who has done, over over the past 50 years, has done a lot of work in terms of analysing the nature of evil and uh, essentially psychopathy. And he has his work is, is put together in, in a book that we are publishing called uh, Political Ponderology, which is the study of evil adjusted for political purposes. Uh, and it's, uh, it's an essential read, to understand exactly the nature of the real fascists uh, who happen to be in the American government, in the Israeli government, in the British government, um, and who are conducting this phony war on terror or war on fascism. Essentially, in reality, it's a war on themselves. But, of course, in their terms, the fascists are not themselves. The fascists are their enemy, their chosen enemy, i.e., the entire Muslim world, and specifically the people of the Arab Middle East. Now, one of the things that we know about psychopathy, having studied the question for many years here at Signs of the Times, is that psychopaths will project onto their victims their own intentions. And this, you see it over and over and over and over again. So returning to the article we discussed earlier from the Associated Press... There is a quote from one of the pathocrats, representative of the Bush administration. Charles Black, a longtime GOP consultant with close ties to both the first Bush administration and the current White House, said branding Islamic extremists as fascists was apt. Quote, it helps dramatize what we're up against, Black said. They're not just some ragtag terrorists. They are people with a plan to take over the world and eliminate everybody except them. So this, turn that 180 degrees? Turn that 180 degrees. This is what the plans of the pathocrats are. This is what Bush, this is what the leaders in Israel, this is what the Tony Blairs, this is what all of these people around the world in whatever governments they're in, this is their plans for you and for me and for your children. They and mean to get rid of us all. Yeah, and they've spelled it out. I they've mean, spelled in, it in out. In that quote, they've spelled it out. The, this guy Black said, I'll just, just to read it again, he said, portraying the Muslim world or Arabs as fascists helps to dramatize what we're up against. Note that is to dramatize it, to make a show of it. They are not just some ragtag terrorists. They are people. Here he's talking about himself. This is understand that this is he is talking about the Bush government, the Israeli government, and the British government. They are people with a plan to take over the world and eliminate everybody except them. That's it for this week. 
If you would like to discuss the issues raised in the podcast, please come to the Signs of the Times forum. There is a link from the Signs page at www.signs-of-the-times.org. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.